What's up, guys? Welcome to Roaring Podcast, where we interview experts in tech and product management, providing insights and tips on how to digitize and automate your business processes. My name is Jesper Kask, and I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by George Amanatiadis, VP of Sales and Customer Success at Scribe, and Pontus Holmberg, Product and Innovation Manager at Roaring, to discuss and provide insight around this highly relevant topic. Enjoy. Okay, so welcome to the both of you, uh, George and Pontus. It's great having you on the show. Thanks. Nice to be here. Thank you for having us. So we're here to talk about customer onboarding experiences and specifically how to tackle the challenge of combining compliance and UX. Um, And I have a very recent experience of a customer onboarding myself, uh, actually uh, trying to set up a company bank account with one of the larger banks in Sweden. Uh, It took literally weeks to complete and it basically killed all of my digital spirits by being very analog and very manual. Um, and my first question is is related to that. So why is this the case in so many industries still? I'll start with you, George. Yeah, so uh, the it's uh, usually the problem with, uh, with customer or like online processes that there are uh, there are companies that are still trying to balance compliance and customer experience, which usually sort of uh, hurts the the uh, how fluent or how how uh, easy it is to to take steps to onboard yourself. Uh, I, I've had quite a few stories myself. One of the most recent ones is when I when I picked home insurance uh, from one of the aggregator sites. I ended up. Um, I ended up choosing a rate that was uh, uh, more expensive for the reason being that I was asked to print, scan, sign, and uh, return uh, documents, which included two machines that I have never seen for quite some years now, especially <laughs> not at my apartment. Um, and it's it's especially important nowadays after uh, after the pandemic that people are... Uh, the expectations have escalated both due to uh, remote scenarios that were enforced and also uh, generations changing. So customers expect a smoother, uh, easy, uh, lower th- uh, effort threshold experience from their uh, providers. Uh, so it is, I would say, from a behavioral perspective, from a customer expectation perspective, it is uh, more of a competitive advantage than it ever was from a customer uh, customer experience perspective. Mm. Do you want to fill in Pontus? No, I think I think George uh, said something well he in his example he was using the insurance company. And you also mentioned that your example was from the banking uh, industry. And I think that uh, just a easy answer to your question would be you know make it very easy would be to say that B2B companies uh, in general, I th- I think they 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 are worse in their uh, online onboarding processes in comparison to B two C because they uh, I think we will touch on it later. But I, yes, the note that I made is that you know did you did you change bank? That's the question. Did you change bank because of that sort of poor beha- uh, poor experience? I I don't think you did. No, I didn't. No. But if it comes to another kind of product, a sim a, a simpler B two C product. Uh, obviously, you're potentially more uh, you're you're more potentially uh, on your way to to actually change uh, provider. Doesn't matter what it is, if it's Netflix or whatever. But you you I, so I think that's 
also part of the answer into it, but that they are poorly online uh, experience in, in, in some cases when it comes to B2B, because they are also, uh, they are, yeah, they are big banks or big insurance companies. Obviously they have uh, longer processes to, to adapt to these new technologies, but in the end, uh, I'm not saying it goes for all banks, but in the end, obviously they're quite happy because they know that you are still going to be a customer with them. It's a hassle to change. So do they need to be best in class? Not yet, but obviously as George said, it's a competitive advantage to to be uh, more also modern in, in in the onboarding process. I think that gradually this changes. So uh, at least niche services, like if you look at Revolut, if you look at um, yep. uh, so they're chipping away to what traditional banks used to do. So exchange in the UK has went away. There, it's okay. It's an app that you do it in. Uh, then transfers went somewhere else. Mortgages will probably move if you, if we have companies like SPB or Danske Bank being a lot more, or yeah, uh, investments are going to <laughs> are going to to uh, companies like Nordnet or Evansa stuff like that. So, in the grand scheme of things, I think yes, they are. We we are in a stage where people, and especially moving generations. Uh, where this will be a deciding factor, not as much as it was for me choosing insurance, but even in larger processes when it comes to mortgages, when it comes to, to, to business lending, when it comes to these things. Yes, experience will matter in the end uh, because I think the landscape is changing, when, especially if, if people make it easy for you to transfer. So the, the recipient is making it easy for you through POAs digitally done uh, and KYC digitally done to transfer you somewhere else. Mm. Yeah, I actually have a, have a, have a personal agree, experience of that as well recently because I, I switched banks from from uh, Bank X to Bank Z uh, recently actually. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, one of the things that, that I sort of, moving all of it was a really difficult process uh, in terms of all of the, the banking services that I had. But one of the things that I sort of changed from was the, the uh, ISK account, my, my savings account with uh, uh, with the bank, because uh, that was a, a, a horrible process just to get everything sold, and, and it took many days, and I have to sign new agreements with with the new bank, and and so on, and so forth. So, but in two minutes, I could have an account with Fundler, for example, uh, which led me to actually doing that, you know, <laughs> uh, which was a lot simpler. Uh, so, I think that's a great example of, of how sort of the neo banks and and the Newer financial solution services are sort of chipping away at at the full bank offer. I agree. A, a, a comment to, to George, which I, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, I can just emphasize that when uh, when you are successfully moving away from from your bank, it's because this is my opinion. But I think that, as you said, the onboarding and it's very simple, but it's it's selected. Uh, part of what the bank is actually doing. So for an example, it's simple to, to sign up for Fundler or Avanza. Basically means that I can move myself away from my bank where uh, in regards to savings and to, uh, to pension schemes or whatever, because mm-hmm. there is a, a dozen of, of services. Uh, and, and, and so I like, you are, yeah, you're perfectly correct uh, because those niche players they're obviously taking pieces of what the bank is actually doing and then create their own sort of ecosystem. And, and, and they, let's say that, you know, we are special, special, specialized in, in 
uh, robot uh, savings. And then they will be uh, taking customers from the bank in, in terms of their saving offerings. And then there will be, uh, as you say, mortgage or in, in, uh, for borrow money for, for buying a house. That is also a niche uh, player. Uh, so I, I totally agree with you that that's that's the way that's the way how new uh, sort of companies challenge the banks because and, and because there is very often not not that very often a new bank with the full range of an old school bank's activities no. emerge. They 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 just select one or two or three things and then they just do it much better than the bank. And as you say, making the transition. Super simple because Jesper will have Fundler, but he will potentially not. He might change bank, but you will. <laughs> will but you will be a customer with the bank that you have your your um, your saving accounts or your uh, salary account. You, you need to have yet. You need to have a bank with the core bank functionality, or you don't need. But but often people that's that's the mentality I think that people have, or. I, I have changed to Fundler. I have changed to this, but in the end, you will ask a lot of people, and they will, and you can ask them, "Have you, um, have you sort of ditched your bank?" And then, because that you have five, six other services that sort of gives you that banking experience, and I think that in the end, most likely they will still be a bank customer. That's basically what I meant. That it's it's a challenge to just move away from your traditional bank but you're mm. you're spot on in, in in your analysis that the the, the competition is changing and and it, it, new emerging companies are, are taking and or chasing the bank with with niche mm. uh, solutions and it's a it's a very good example how like technology has been leveraged like the the example that, that Jasper brought now like how that you could get set up in two minutes how uh, challenger banks neo banks uh, fintech is is challenging from an experience, from a process perspective, from an access perspective, uh, yeah. larger institutions. And I do understand, of course, I, I don't want to be, um, uh, I, I don't want to be unfair. It is easier for for uh, a tech company or a smaller company focusing on one thing to do this. However, given the right approach and the right investment, it is very much possible to do it at scale and still compete in all the areas that you do business with. Mm, for sure. Imagine the the possibility when when someone has a great user experience and and has the full bank offering. I mean, that's uh, they'll take over tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, and the bank has the full bank offering, and and, and so if I would be a sitting in the yeah. bank, I would you know what what's we gonna invest in? You mm. know, that we're gonna <laughs> invest in becoming more modern <laughs> with more new technology, and, and and then they could obviously sort of fight back against new tech companies or, or fintech companies. Mm. Uh, and what's your take, uh, George, on, on, on customer onboarding today and, and the landscape that we're in? What, what's wrong with it? And, and what's what's broken? And what, what needs to be fixed, in your opinion? Yeah, so I think that, first of all, the approach, uh, the approach needs to change. It, it needs to be a lot more customer-centric. So keeping the experience... Uh, and connecting experience to, to loyalty uh, and engagement, uh, either we're talking B2C or B2B. Uh, so building a journey for your customer that reflects how, how, the, culture, how the culture is in, in your organization, how it is to interact with you, 
as a bank or an insurance company or, or, or a financial institution in that sense uh, to show that it's, uh, it should be easy to do business with you, uh, that you respect the customer's time, that you respect the, the effort threshold, um, especially with processes that are time sensitive. And then there is, uh, I, I think it needs to be a, a clarification in these segments that there is not a battle between compliance uh, and, and experience. Uh, there are, with the help of technology and, and the, right, the right approach to, to leading projects like this, it is very much possible to build a great customer experience while having the right data points to ensure uh, a compliant uh, and secure onboarding. Uh, so I, I think it's a matter of approach, uh, how, how we're looking at it, and especially from a, a B2B perspective, which historically is the segment that has received the, less, the least love when it comes to digital transformation. They were the processes that were a bit more complex, a bit more clunky, uh, and, and they were left to the end of the line. It's like, yeah, we will get to that at some point. And uh, that point for many organizations is, uh, hasn't uh, arrived just yet. Mm. You want to chime in, Pontus? No, I, uh, you know, yeah, I will. But I think George is, is also onto something. I, one note that I, that I do is that, uh, okay, take the bank example again, sort of the old, old-fashioned bank. Uh, customer experience... Uh, in, in that segment, they, so for an example, they, they've been quite good in, in changing their user experience when it comes to sort of design and UI in, 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 a, in, in their banking platform. But I think that, if I, if I understood George correct, I think that they need, in general now, also to take the same sort of approach when it comes to, we are talking about user experience, or um, they need to, to have the same approach when it comes to user experience sort of... Uh, in the customer onboarding process. I think normally, or before at least, it has been uh, separated. So you you have your, your uh, user experience when it comes to the actual experience of the service or the product. And then you have sort of separated the, the whole sort of customer onboarding experience. A good example of this is, again, I will mention the, the B2C versus B2B. Uh, they, they've spent a lot of, B2C companies are spending a lot of money in, in they have understood that how, how they actually are interacting with, with their customers. They need you need to have a flawless experience in your app or on your web page. So they they put a lot of efforts in, in in design and making you know the user experience from a product perspective really good. But also obviously they they understood the mechanism how that actually relates to the customer onboarding process. So there is no separation between that. And and I, I think that old-fashioned big companies are struggling with they know that they need to change that but they are still they, they are slaves under their own processes so when you're talking about compliance and, and regulatory uh, work uh, that's yeah for for some people you start to snooze out immediately but the thing is that I think you need you need to see those uh, compliance requirements you need to see them as business enabler. So because the ones that will be able uh, to conquer that hurdle and, and, and to, to be able to, to get the customer to actually do things automatically because the bank has understood that they can now provide uh, some part of their advanced compliance processes, 
But if you start out small, you, instead of asking for, for known information, which could easily be fetched by an API, uh, start off small, then you will actually hook, you know, you will, you will actually get a better experience from, from, uh, from the sort of the customer perspective. Today, mm. fairly good in, in uh, my bank, it looks well. I actually found what I want to do on my in, in within the bank, but it's still it's a horrible process. For an example, to in my uh, KIC process, mm. they haven't they haven't merged those two things because they see it as a regulatory thing that needs to be checked off, and there is a lot of process behind that. So still, they they provide me with a form that I can fill in, and the form for me. It's just a digital paper, so it's still it hasn't reduced any of the complexity that I need to I need to find out information in my drawer, and I know that the bank already sits on the information. So so yeah, it was a long comment on on George, <laughs> George, uh, take, but but I I just think that they need to 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 marry those two things. User experience goes all the way, not only in in the product or in the service that you're providing. Mm. And. and- we're getting into compliance now, and obviously a lot of companies are affected by this being subject to the Money Laundering Act. We're talking KYC and and, and other processes, or GDPR, for example. Uh, how much of a roadblock does uh, compliance requirements create in customer onboarding, and or, or or is it like you said, Pontus, is it a business enabler? Uh, what do you think? I I I know I'm what's the word swearing a little bit in church here, and obviously <laughs> I'm not a legal expert, but coming from the business side, working with those things. I would say that for me, the uh, Money Laundering Act or the GDPR uh, implementation, it's business enabler, but it's 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 a hurdle for the organizations initially because it's it, it requires change in their processes. And it's obviously require, I think it requires obviously investment for them to mitigate the initial hurdle that it actually creates. But I... For me today, when we are talking about GDPR, uh, today I, I I don't hear the debate that it's a pain or a headache. I just hear that we need to take that into account when we are developing our products, when we are developing our our products services. But four, three, four years ago, the discussion was about you know this is just gonna ruin our business. This if we cannot do this with our customer data, how would we operate as a business? How would we survive? I obviously don't have any numbers on it, but the companies are still there. If they've if they if they've fallen, they haven't been uh, uh, go bust because of GDPR. That's other reasons for it. So I, I, with that said, I think that yes, it's it's an op- it, it the the compliance uh, framework becomes more complicated, more more requirements it's put on the companies. But that's I think that. The companies that that understand those mechanisms and actually try to do something and and see it as a business enabler, because I would pick any product or whatever if if the onboarding process then has taken into those changes, mm. I'm more likely to sign up for that service uh, today. Mm. Uh, so so I think it goes hand in hand. It, it's a yeah. So for me, it's a business enabler. Mm. Uh, but it's complicated and it's tough, and and obviously for big banks or insurance companies, I I think that they think it also is complicated because it also requires a lot of investment mm. in 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 getting compliant with the new regulatory frameworks that is in place. Mm. 
What's your take on this, George? No, I, I tend to agree. I think it's uh, it can be a hurdle, but as I said before, it has to do with the approach that the the project is is taking. So it, it, it can be a hurdle if you want to see it as a hurdle. So otherwise, it is a framework in which you operate in, such as it is GDPR, so is IDAS, uh, so is uh, SHRAMS2. So it's a lot of directives, EBA rules you have. Uh, a quite broad rule set that you need to operate within. However, especially, for instance, we're talking banking, it's it's an industry that is quite familiar with operating under restrictions. So I think it's a, it's, a, it's an approach when it comes to having compliance-led projects instead of designing something and then advising compliance in the later stages or trying to fit the big picture into a compliant funnel. Uh, and also, this is where technology sort of comes in, both as the tech itself, but also the organizations behind it, being able to understand the complexity in depth, because something that is something that is complex doesn't necessarily need to be complicated as a project. If you address the, the pain points or the requirements quite early on and find the right, uh, the right fit for, for each segment, of your project, uh, given that you operate within the confines of what what is required to construct a, a customer a customer uh, flow or or an experience that is is um, is pleasant and, and easy to do while being compliant, I think uh, we can find a lot of success given that we address these uh, concepts with compliance in mind. Um, uh, with with very good results in the end, so it doesn't need to be a hurdle. Uh, I think it's more a matter of uh, of approach and a, a, a more of a matter of how we frame projects, because that both the the technology and the experience uh, in these industries, both from the tech companies and uh, from from the um, uh, from the financial industry, is there uh, to combine the two. So to summarize, no, I don't believe it's a hurdle. It's rather, it's it can be an enabler uh, and it can boost the feeling of security for the customers as well, especially in mm-hmm. B2B, seeing that you're thorough, seeing that you, you're taking all the steps to secure uh, that um, their inf- that information are safe. If we're talking GDPR, for instance, that um, uh, you do thorough checks, that it's uh, it, it is everything is streamlined and secure. So it it can enhance customer experience, given that it is easy enough to navigate. Mm. Okay, so let's get practical now. Uh, in terms of ensuring that you are legally compliant uh, while maintaining an awesome experience for the prospect or customer, how do you go about doing that? And let, let's just for for to set the scene, the, the context is a is a banking or finance customer onboarding. Um, Pontus, do you want to go first? Yeah, we, we ch- touched on it already, but I would say that that needs it's a mindset, as your shoulder already said before. But it's it's a mindset, and also truly digital adaptation here is the word or the sentence for me because they are struggling, and they obviously, uh, if it's a old classic bank, they are struggling with with legacy in terms of technology legacy, etc., which we potentially can be a an obstacle for them in this sort of digital adaptation. But I think that you can obviously ensure 
being compliant, then they, the bank obviously have their processes, they have their legal understanding of, of how to, to conduct their business. But then you said the other from the other side, how do you then maintain a, a good customer experience? So I think initially, you know, for me, it would be keep your processes or, or your understanding of what you need to do, but also start using technology to implement new technology to support that, uh, if we call it automation. But it's easy for me to say, because obviously we are working with automation, that's what we're doing, that's what we want everyone, you know, use our data, use our technology, whatever. But I'm not saying that, you know, an API or or just by using modern technologies that, that you would automatically just be automating your processes. There is obviously a combination of autom- automation and manual processes. But first step, at least from my perspective, would be automate the simple things that today are, are done manually. We, mm-hmm. have, we have tons of examples where we actually know that, you know, there are five people just working to, to identify or to check information X and Y and Z. But the information, what they are basically doing is that they are going sw- uh, surfing or they are using other uh, platforms to, to, to ensure that information is correct. Uh, so, so with that long answer, yeah, keep your manual processes when they are needed. But obviously, when you can automate things mm. and when you can actually use yeah, third-party technologies, third-party information sources, start doing that and, and reduce complexity where you don't need to have complex processes within, within the, the, the compliance framework, which is potentially uh, complex, but not complicated as George well uh, laid it out. Mm-hmm. I think start off somewhere to use technology, use data, uh, and, and start automate where it makes sense to automate. Mm. And automata- automation, as a word, do not solve the, the, the compliance burden. They need to have their compliance uh, in place and, and their processes in place. But you can rip some of the processes and li- uh, link to, to technology that would actually support the process, make them smoother. That's mm. a long answer again. <laughs> Yeah, what's your take, George? How do you combine compliance and, and UX to great effect in customer onboarding? So I think as we as we, we kind of touched on it before, but I think it's uh, it's a matter of project approach. So we we have once we have consultants uh, consulted the, the compliance side of things, one we, we make sure that we know what confines are we operating within. Uh, then is is uh, is uh, in our experience, it's a matter of like sort of reimagining or restructuring how the how the customer experience should look like. We're looking at, uh, at more and more organizations uh, focusing on a customer effort scores, how hard or how easy it is, how much effort is required to, for a customer to complete an action, either that is onboarding, changing data, taking up additional products. And usually that line doesn't follow, like maybe we fix onboarding, but like adding a second signatory to a, to an account is harder or taking a loan with two parties is goes from digital to manual. So uh, trying to reapproach this from, a, again, from a customer centric angle, uh, trying to redesign, not to necessarily transfer what's on paper digitally, because that is uh, that is a, a topic that I've seen quite a lot. 
trying to copy the exact pen and paper process to a digital onboarding. Uh, and there are hard hurdles there that we had to have for in, in, the, in the physical environment that we don't need to, uh, to consider or we don't need to have in a, in a digital onboarding scenario. But I think the, the, the best approach, the best projects that I've seen is when we approach um, this concept with the customer-centric angle and with an open mind, going to, to trusted partners, the technology vendors, and looking at what is possible to do uh, in order to achieve the end goal instead of having pre-constructed uh, functionality uh, looking at possibilities, there is a lot of technology out there and there are quite a few uh, or there are some experienced partners out there that can help both from, from a project approach and from the technology side. And then it, it, it also has to do with um, uh, how, do you, how do you approach the full flow from uh, uh, using technology as an enabler uh, as means to an end, instead of looking at um, digital transformation, so, so as sort of a buzzword, it is quite uh, quite common in our industry to 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 see technology as the end all be all. And there is a lot of um, uh, a lot of substance to that because technology can solve a lot of problems as long as we frame them in the right um, in in the correct way. I would say. Mm. And you touched upon digital transformation and, and when we're talking customer onboarding and ch possibly changing the process from analog or manual to, to, to automated and digital, um, we're also talking about mindsets and we're talking about culture. Uh, what's required in order to successfully digitally transform not only the process itself, but a, a company as a whole? What do you think, George? Yeah, so I, I think it, it has to do with allocating, it has to do with uh, how you construct uh, an effort like that. It usually is organization-wide, it involves several departments. Uh, it needs to be uh, an initiative that uh, does a quite deep needs analysis, both within the organization and on the customer base, understanding what hurdles might we face from compliance to legal to, uh, to customer experience. Uh, to staffing, to, to, to resources required, having a very clear picture, then having a vision of where we, where we want to be uh, as an endpoint, like what, what are we looking to achieve, having very clear targets. So if we say that we want to reduce the effort threshold, if we want to reduce the, the clicks, the onboarding time, if we want to improve our NPS score, if we want to, to relate uh, how, how how good our onboarding is to how engaged our customers are, because we have seen very clear links between the two as well. Uh, and then once we have a, a clear requirement set to, to look for expertise, uh, both internally and uh, from external resources, so, so uh, companies that have a, a track record in the industry that understand uh, that understand the challenges in detail uh, and especially looking for uh, input that doesn't look to bypass or disregard restrictions, but rather use them, as sponsors very well mentioned, as more as an enabler or as a springboard um, to uh, create business process. Uh, and then, again, once, once more, uh, trying to transfer customer centricity as a culture from within the organization to every step 
uh, again, referring to, to what you said before, uh, every step, every touch point that the customer has with us, either it is B2B, B2C, uh, onboarding, changing in, in, in services or any interaction that we should, it should follow the same logic and the same feeling uh, that we exude as an, as an organization. Mm. And I'll give you this one as well, Pontus. Yeah, what, what is required to, to successfully, uh, in order to successfully digitally transform? I'll try to be short, but I think, uh, I think George said it well. I think cross departments uh, is sort of a key word that, or sentence that comes up to me. I think that you need to, you need to understand that compliance and, and, and regulatory uh, requirements from, from the society doesn't necessarily need to be, yeah, they are, they are heavily to work with potentially, but you need to see them as some kind of enabler for your business. And, and, and also by not only, by not only letting it becomes a legal uh, matters or, or very uh, advanced legal uh, matters, uh, try to use, uh, incorporate also other divisions into this because if sales would understand slightly more about why there is challenges with being compliant and how why do we need to to ask all those questions to our customer for an example and and then if you put in uh, if you're a big company you potentially have a design uh, division or or a ux division put them also into this uh, sort of project when you're working with with uh, compliance and, and regulatory frameworks, policies, etc. Not necessarily the, the the boring part. The legal <laughs> people can still sort of manage. They are the ones that that needs to confirm and to create a process that are compliant. But but just a final example for me would be again the bank example. Um, yes, you have designers that have developed a new bank platform and it looks good, and then they throw up at me, you know know your customer survey, you know, every once a year. There is no, there, there is no design people involved in that. There is no, obviously, there is a policy, obviously, we need to ask those questions. But the way that has been created for me as a user, it is just horrible in general. It looks horrible. It is, it's hard to follow. The language is hard to follow. Uh, and they are asking again informations that I might not have at hand. So I think that uh, <laughs> that's just an example. But I think that also let design be a part of this journey or user experience because that will create user experience. So develop your great bank experience uh, platform, but do not forget about put some love into you know the the customer interactions that you have sort of outside that ecosystem. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and because that will eventually, a customer often will judge a company or a service not only because if the service is superior to another, it's about the way it interacts with the service or the product or the company. Uh, so I can definitely go with a slightly more uglier interface in a product, but I can definitely rate that product higher if, for an example, the KIC process for me as a customer is smooth and, and looks a little bit more <laughs> better than, than, than uh, traditional banks are doing. So I think they're just forgetting about how it sort of 
works everything works together mm. that that's the, that's the thing don't don't see compliance and regulatory uh challenges as a as a an interest of of uh, a few at a company it's not a it's not a special interest there are specialized people working with it but it's obviously affect the whole business so obviously it needs to be a, a part of your business it needs to be it needs to be a part of business mm. And uh, in terms of leaving the listeners with something to to bring with them, uh, any closing thoughts, George, on combining UX and compliance in customer onboarding? Uh, any closing thoughts? Yeah. So it's uh, from um, I would say what I would what I would take away from this when it comes to I want to close in a circle what we started discussing about before when it comes to experience is that we, we have talked a lot and we the industry talks a lot about how customer expectations have changed and they have, uh, both from from uh, like event-driven changes and also from the generation changes. However, there is an element that has to do with, uh, there is a constant that does not change since the, the, the beginning of, of, of customer relationships. And that is that uh, our customers want to feel taken care of and that we put uh, real thought and care into building a process that takes care of them, that thinks of them, that, that looks at their needs and how they approach, how they want to buy or how they want to interact with us. So having that approach in everything that we do from, from transferring compliance, as Ponto said, into process to, to building steps to having even very complex KYC processes. I've seen excellent flows where there is um, uh, there is the the ability to fetch data that we we know are available that we don't need to ask the customer to to redo to having a, a very short uh, text explaining what each step is and why it's there and why it's important uh, so again customer centricity for me is the it should be the guiding guiding principle and then remembering that it's compliance and and customer experience they absolutely do not need to clash they can given the right angle they can be combined with uh, with uh, very very good results uh, both for the organization in in itself and for their customers Pontus? yeah i think I, I i totally agree with with george and and definitely uh i agree on everything but i i'll agree even more on the 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 combination of that, you know, compliance being compliant doesn't necessarily, it, it's not a clash uh, with having a great uh, sort of customer or user experience. And and I will not repeat myself, but I think that the key takeaway from me will be that, again, do not separate it. And yes, absorb compliance and regulatory frameworks as a part of your business. Uh, that's That's... And and when you do that, again, uh, use all your resources in a company. There is design elements that can definitely enhance the customer experience when it comes to being compliant or when you're in your KIC process. And finally, I would just say that, and this might potentially go a little bit more towards B2B companies, but don't be afraid also to look at, you know, why do B2C companies and, and potentially... Uh, younger B2C companies with less legacy, they are successful in, in, in this sort of transition. They have understand the mechanism on how to create value 
with your product, but also because as I think as George said, the customer wants to be seen and they want to interact with you in, in, a, in a clever and, and in, a, in a modern way. And I think that final would be if you are not merging <laughs> the user experience and, and the compliance framework processes, uh, that would be a challenge for, for because the customer, again, will ultimately judge you. So if you get a great experience over here, but a really poor experience over here, that will obviously ultimate result in that MPS score potentially would be obviously lower. Uh, so it's it's a combination of both things. And design obviously do not solve everything, but and processes and technology do not solve anything. But in the middle, you can definitely create a, a smooth onboarding process, a great user experience in your service. But I think the challenge here for the big companies, because I think that the challenge lies within the big companies in general, they need to to cross uh, to sorry they, they need to rip rip apart those silos that are in, in an organization yeah you're working with compliance they obviously do not that often talk to the salespeople and salespeople do think that their compliance department is just there to 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 make obstacles in their sales process etc and the detect team yes things so it's just a mash of everything so trying to to create processes in in your company that that actually have the same goal uh, and 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 just absorb compliance and regulatory frameworks and the challenges with that into your daily processes and in, into your daily strategy. Mm. Do not look at it as a single entity that is working up here with very boring things because it's not. Yeah, for me it's boring, but it's really interesting because what happens when you can when you can create that magic when you actually succeed with having a great customer experience and an onboarding process. Businesses will go like this. That's that's would be the, the that would be the goal for the, any company. Mm. Great. Listen, uh, thank you both for for joining me. It was great having you on. You've been listening to an episode of a Roaring podcast by Roaring IO. Feel free to share it with your friend, colleague, or peer if you liked it. If you wish to stay connected to us, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time.